Hello and welcome to another episode of Hot Takes, the show where we see a movie, get a take, super spicy, bring it back to the microphone, don't discuss the spiciness of the take, and then we discuss it on the mic. Kind of unpack it like a uh, like a Christmas gift. Today I'm joined by Mike Burge. Hello. Hi, I'm Robert Anderson. Probably should say that first, but it doesn't matter. That's okay. It's fine. Burge, what, uh, what movie did we see today? Today, we saw the 2017 remake of Murder hmm. on the Orient Express. Mm. Yeah, we did do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so this is a uh, Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh, yeah. Yeah, yes. I'm not good at saying his last it's name. It's fine. Uh, it's directed by him. He also stars in the movie. Uh, it's kind of a... It's a mystery movie. Mm-hmm. We have a story about all these people on a train, the Orient Express, and someone gets murdered, and he is mm-hmm. the greatest detective alive. Or probably, The person that gets murdered is? No. Oh. Kenneth, Kenneth Branagh is the ah. greatest detective alive. Hercule Perot. Hercule Perot. Perot? I think I think it's it's Hercule Hercule Perot. Perot. I might be mispronouncing it. No, you're probably right. I think that was kind of a whole joke throughout the movie too. That was a yeah, really everyone gag. called him Hercules. Hercules yes. Poirot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so on hot takes, we like to do a spoiler-free discussion, and then we kind of break it up and then dive into spoilers. But just kind of initial impressions, Burge. What did you think? Eh, it's so fun. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I should be straight up and honest. Uh, Murder on the Orient Express, the original film, um, I have not seen. It's been one that's been on my docket for a long time, and I just I've also I, not seen. I've it. never. I almost watched it actually a couple weeks ago because it dropped on like Amazon or something, and I was yeah. gonna scoop it up. But then I was kind of like, oh, this new one's coming out, and uh, luckily for me, I do not. I did not know the um, the uh, climactic revelation of this classic whodunit whether from the agatha christie novel of the same name or of this uh the man i think there's a couple of adaptations ones like tv or something and there's mm-hmm. the classic one i believe was from uh, 70s or 60 i can't remember uh it's got to be 70s mm-hmm. um uh i did not know uh whodunit whodunit i don't i did not know who did yes. it uh, so it was, it was a lot of fun to like go in and kind of see it with a uh, fresh eyes, not really know where it's going to go. Um, you and Jack always make fun of me for, uh, I was going to, to wait before I would poke fun at this yeah, notion yeah, of yeah, yeah. Burge is the, is the man with the crystal ball. He knows how to read it. I, uh, I had, I had a couple, I mean, the whole thing is that everybody is presented on this train to have either motive in some weird way or the ability to yeah. do it everyone uh, can be suspect yeah so yeah. you know they, they there's like red herrings as they're called um, right and you pretty much have to suss out stuff like that i will say once we get into the spoiler thing i'll say specifically what it was but there was one moment uh in the first about uh i guess it would be almost immediately after the crime itself is committed uh where there's a line of dialogue where they mention something very specific. It's very important, but there's also the thing that they say is kind of throwaway-ish. And in that, I was like, oh, I think I know what's going on. But I also thought that was kind of silly and that I would have heard about that by now. Yeah. So 
I was like, okay, maybe it's uh, this person instead of that one, and maybe it's this person instead of that one. So I had the one like the one idea that I thought was going on, yeah. But then I also had my one or two picks where I was like, if my first uh, feeling is wrong, then it's probably this person mm-hmm. or that person. I'll say I was generally surprised by the end of the film about who done it, but uh, before we kind of like even talk about who done did it. Yeah, and accomplices and such. Uh, I I like the movie. I, like, I, I mean, yeah, I didn't finish that too. Like, I, you know? I by the the before. Yeah. I mean, it's a. Uh, I'm that's meant as I, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. It's uh, competent. It's uh, a little long and a little a uh, little uh, self congratulatory from time to time. It likes so. to bask in itself, especially with uh, Branagh being the director and the the lead star. Yeah. He's uh, kind of in love with uh, his presentation of this classic detective sleuth character. And I think that uh, the script's really tight. Michael Green, uh guy that did Logan, Blade yeah. Runner 2049. He's killing it. He's killing it. Yeah, he was involved in American Gods, too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's. I think uh, a lot of the faults in it are... Um, I think uh, pay- directing pacing choices uh, where uh, Branagh decides to linger on something for a little bit too long. It's it's kind of like he does some things a little bit more flamboyantly than he needs to. And some things he plays uh, very reserved when he should just go for it. And he kind of mixes and matches between. I'd say like 60% of the movie is done correctly. And okay. then 40%, I was just feeling like, oh, you could have like jazzed this up a little bit to make it a little bit more engaging. Or and sometimes when he's jazzing things up, I'm like, that's the wrong time to do that. Why don't you just bring it back a little bit? I feel you there. I mean, I honestly, my main gripe with the movie, like, happens. It's like kind of the beginning before they get on the Orient Express. Is a lot of my not problems, but real criticism of the movie. I was not super engaged until they're actually on the train, Mm -hmm. and I think that's when a lot of the fun starts to happen. Um, You get to like get into these characters and. And you know, learn to learn to like them or or suspect them of murder and things like that. Um, I do like uh, I do like our main protagonist. I think he's a ton of fun. Um, yep. I like his idea. You know, every there's nothing that's too under the surface in the movie. It's all kind of presented out there. I mean, like I like his obsession with with order and with evenness and you mm-hmm. know the the justice scales kind of being even and that yep. permeates his whole life. I think that's all really fun. Um, and the movie just, I think, feels like a nice, like, fun, like, Hollywood. It's, it's a good movie. holiday. It's a movie. good holiday. It's movie a good. Uh, sure. I wish that this had come out a little bit more to the Christmas side. I know yeah. it came out like early November. I, I think. think there's a lot of movies that are afraid of the big Christmas movie, which is Star Wars. Star Wars is coming out. Star Wars is coming out December fifteenth. Huh. But I'm sure that moved some things out of the way. Oh. Well, you know, uh, Daisy Ridley's in this movie. Yes, she's great. She's very good. Yeah. I like Daisy Ridley. Uh, this is another one of those things where I defend the Force Awakens to uh, certain people. Um, you know who you are. You know who you are. You know who you are. Uh, and you know the movie has its problems and stuff. I actually rewatched it uh, on Thanksgiving. It's Force Awakens. Yeah, while we were cooking. Um, How do you feel about it? Hype kind of passed, you know. That's the whole thing. It's aged. Uh, well, isn't the right word. It's it's aged differently than I thought it would have, and it's yeah. become. It's it, it's got this weird kind of 
classicness to it, even though it's only a couple years old, where it's like, I've only seen the thing, that was the third time I'd seen it, and it's like, I know this movie front and back because it's so similar and because they made these choices on purpose to yeah. to kind of harken back and reintroduce and whether that uh, aligns with your tastes is at the end of the day where your optimistic or pessimistic imperson- impressions from the film are going to come from. Right. Um, you could also just think it's bad because you think it's poorly made, which in some retros- in, in some ways it is poorly made. But I think, uh, you know, when you're when you're eating a gumbo, you're not just uh, tasting one tiny little thing. You're You're taking the whole thing at yeah. once, it is a soup. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing with Force Awakens, which, uh, yeah, we could, we could riff on that. Which before. is not the movie that we Which is not the movie we saw, yeah. but... Yeah, uh, Daisy Ridley's in it, and I, I, I was saying that because one of uh, the big criticisms of Force Awakens was uh, that Daisy Ridley's performance was very wooden. And, who, sa- who says that? Uh, actually, it was sa- it was rumored that J.J. Abrams took her to the side on the set and like, embarrassed her in front of everybody and was like... You cannot act like this. I need you to give me something. Supposedly. Wow. Supposedly. Yeah. And I think it may be because it is the interpretation of that character. She is supposed to be very closed off, but uh, wide-eyed and bushy-tailed and, right. uh, and, 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 and yearning for adventure. In kind of the same way that like Luke Skywalker is a fucking dick. Yeah. Throughout all of them. You think so? Yes. Uh, Luke Skywalker is an asshole. In the first one, he's a whiny little chump. He's arrogant, I think. In, in the first one, he's a whiny little chump. In the second one, he is insanely arrogant. Yeah. Uh, and that's the whole thing, you know, with Stranger Things 2, we've talked about it's The Empire Strikes Back. It's everybody in that movie is Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Whether or not they're this filling in the role of a Han Solo. It's a right very, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, Daisy fun. Ridley's in the movie. Yeah, who, else, <laughs> who else is in the movie that's also in Star Wars? There's, out of this cast, there has to be somebody else that's in Star Wars. Uh, I don't think there is. I don't think so. Oh, and, um, uh, the guy who plays Snoke, Andy Serkis, he plays the train. That is true. Yeah. Which again, amazing. He's knocking it out of the park he's this year. Killing I couldn't it. believe it. You know, he always he he talks about how motion capture is is just as much acting as mm-hmm. traditional acting is, and seeing him be the train, which is mostly stopped for the movie. Incredible. And still, you get that kind of heft out of it. You saw Age of Ultron, right? I have not seen Age of Ultron. See, in Age of Ultron, Andy Serkis does a performance capture version of himself. Only with like oh. muscles and stuff. It's and it is captivating. Just incredible. It's really crazy. And I'm I'm I, we only got to see a little bit of him in that and a little bit of him in like, you know, what trailers we've seen of Black Panther so yeah. far. I'm really excited to see him revisit that mm-hmm. character. It's it, I think it's gonna be uh breathtaking. It's gonna be really good. Mm-hmm. Um I also just to tie a knot on the Star Wars conversation, because I, I wanted to say this. Please do. Uh I think Rogue One has aged not well. I think no, that, it has not. That's the that's the bar. I still think like the last act of Rogue One is is primo stuff, but see, that's I think that most of the faults in it uh, lie with the um, the last act. Really? And uh, I just love those three planes of action. Like it's great. I mean, yeah, that's classic Star Wars and stuff. Yeah. You know, and if I want that shit, I'll go to Return of the Jedi or Phantom Ooh. Menace. Ooh. <laughs> um, True. I mean, say what you will about Phantom Menace, it's absolute garbage, but the pacing of that last act is a lot of fun. What's happening in it is not, but uh, the pacing of it cutting between, you know, the battle on the ground of many, the battle in the sky of many more, and then the battle between three happening within, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just cool, it, yeah. it's fun pacing, but 
we don't know any of these characters. We don't care about them. One of them's Ewan McGregor, and you're just like, what is this? I've never not cared about Ewan McGregor as much as I don't care about him in Phantom Menace. What I about care it? about him in the other ones. Oh, that was what I was about to oh, say. Totally, yeah. Because once he gets that beard on and he really goes full Alec Guinness. It's cool. He's great. Yeah. I mean, his arc in Attack of the Clones is kind of cool. No, it's not. No, it's not. He gets captured, but that's about it. Yeah, it's what really arc? Cool. I know. So, yeah. Murder on the Orient Express... Um, is a movie. Is a movie. It's just, it's fine. It's a fine movie. Mm. Um, it's just fine. Yeah. It's hard for me to even, like, you know, I, like, it's just weird, because, like, I was sitting there during the movie, just like you were, mm. and I was sitting there being like, yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with this movie. I just saw three billboards last night, though. Oh, yeah. So, kind of coming hot off that, mm. and uh, I also watched the first half hour of Brawl in Cell Block 99. Is that what it's oh, called? you gotta watch that all together. You can't do that. It's I, all about it was, pacing. It in that was movie. just getting late. I think I actually yeah, want no, to no, that's fine. Yeah, you, I want to uh, rewatch it. I mean, I yeah. guess maybe the first half hour you could you could chill with that and then let go me, back in. Let but me it's, say this: he it's very on, much about the aggressiveness of it. He's on the boat. Mm-hmm. Um, easy. And I had to yeah, stop. Easy it now. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Uh, yeah, I was a, like, I was like, I was like, that's a personal. That's a personal favorite of mine this year. That's uh. Yeah, a, a welcome surprise. I I knew because it was um, uh, the director of Bone Tomahawk, uh, S. Craig Zellner. That seems to be like his only big movie. Yeah, he's new. This. He's fresh. Yeah. Um, I think he used to do something like write music or something before. And now he's doing movies. And now he's doing movies, or I think he was doing graphic novels or writing Jack novels really themselves. Like, I think Jack yeah. really likes Bone Tomahawk. I mean, I think yeah, Bone Tomahawk is a is a is a very solid it. film. Um, but uh, yeah, Brawl is great. Um. Yeah, and Three Billboards is also great, yeah. uh, but definitely coming from this, coming from Three Billboards to this yeah. is a complete uh, change. Shift. Yeah. It's a tonal shift, but it's actually kind of uh, funny because like um, uh, Martin McDonough that made um, uh, Three Billboards yes. in Bruges, uh, he's a playwright. And mm-hmm. he's considered one of uh, the generation's like uh, most formidable dramatists. Okay. Uh, and so, and a lot of his stuff, especially Three Billboards, plays as kind of like this stage play, only they're not contained to a stage and sets. They can kind of go wherever they want. But more often than not, you're finding that most scenes are taking place between two, three, maybe four people yeah. where they're just kind of great lines of dialogue back and forth for a conversation and very like character heavy all of his movies are very right. much focused on and character which this, I feel like again is very much what Murder on the Express is yeah. about Agatha Christie setting the stage yeah. and uh, allowing for all of these uh, great cast of characters Willem Dafoe Michelle Pfeiffer Dame Judi Dench Daisy Ridley uh, Josh Gad is that Lafoe or who's Lafoe who plays Lafoe he's not Lafoe in this movie but he's Lafoe in Beauty and the Beast or LeFou, that's what I meant. Oh, you think that that guy's Luke Evans? He's not. No. No, no that not guy's Luke not Evans. Luke Evans. No, he does look a lot like him, especially with the mustache. No, 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 no. Screen. What do you do? Not the guy who plays... Oh, LeFou. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's Josh Gad. That's Josh Gad. That's yeah. Olaf. Oh, I got you. Yeah. I understand. You haven't seen Coco yet, too, have you? No. Ooh, when you go see Coco, you get to sit through a 15 to 20 minute quote-unquote short film... Jack that is was, a sequel Jack to Frozen, and this. it is atrocious. It's a lot of fun, uh, but like... 22 it, minutes? There's no reason for it to be there. How long is uh, is Coco already? Hour and a half. I mean, it's not too bad, but it's like, okay. 
Let's go. Well, it kind of sucks because, you know, Pixar Disney are, are known for having like a really dope like short film that happens before. Right. Short film. I don't film. know why they did that too because it was like... Do they think that that's what the kids want? <sighs> what the teens want these days? I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah. uh, there was no short film before Murder on the York Express. No. Um, I think I'm about ready to dive into spoilers. I think... Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, we I, I think it would be a lot more loose if we could just... Kind of just talk about the movie. Say whatever you want. Like, but um, I, I would recommend it. Uh, not so much. You don't really have to go to the theater to see it. I don't it, think but... you have to go to the theater. That was kind of my caveat as well. It's like, I do think... it's a, If you... Fi- if next Christmas, Christmas 2018, you find yourself sitting with your nice eggnog going through Netflix where this movie will most certainly be and you're just like, I don't know what I want to watch today but it's snowing outside and I have my dog by my feet and my lovely spouse no matter what gender they are next to me. Maybe you should throw on Murder on the Orient Express and just have yourself a nice ride. Mm-hmm. Enjoy the performance by Andy Serkis. As I, it's, uh, I can't stress enough how, you know, competent the film is it is very in what yeah. it's doing uh if you're a fan of Branagh's uh directing and past work uh it's a kind of a little bre- uh it's a breath of fresh air in the same way like that Thor was where mm-hmm. uh, most of his movies have been very stifled and uh either overly dramatic um by intent or uh overly dramatic by nature whether the yeah. Shakespeare plays something like that uh but this is uh he's really he's really uh, grabbing the fun yeah. of it. And the movie is fun. The performances are fun. Uh, the ending is fun. Um, the movie Andy Circus as the train is phenomenal. He looks just so good. I can't um, remember. Uh, the is really good too. Like that's the main reason that I wanted to go see is because I heard that it was Michael Green and Logan and Blade Runner 2049 are two of my favorite films of the year so well, far. Well, Homeboy knows how to write to a genre. And yeah, like, yeah. Knows how to write to a legacy as well. Well, it's not even a genre. Like, this is somebody who's kind of like, um, he's like, a, uh, what's his face that is making, uh, he's like Matt Reeves. Okay. In a sense where Matt Reeves is able to write and direct these big Hollywood franchise films, whether they are uh, remakes, starting it out. Uh, sequels or rebrandings, uh, rebootings. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's able to work very well in the system and produce like Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, War for the Planet of the Apes. These are very, very good films that yeah. he wrote and directed. Um, and uh, Michael Green uh, having like tackled Blade Runner, tackled the closing out Wolverine and tackled an Agatha Christie novel. Yeah, uh, It's like, this is very, very good stuff. Yeah, and sure. he's really good at what he does. So I I would recommend the movie, but you can probably wait till it drops on like digital streaming on like a service that you have. For sure, you don't have to rush out to see. It's worth the like theater. the two ninety nine rental. <clears throat> oh yeah. Although I sure. would recommend definitely getting it in HD if you're into that kind of thing because the it does look looks very good. nice. The yeah. movie looks good, and there's some there's some camera work that happens, uh, especially on the train proper, that I think is some really fun stuff, and uh, they just utilize that space really well. I'm glad that I kind of went to the movie not really knowing. Much Me about too. the previous entries and things like that. Very much. I think it made the ending much better. And also, you know, we, we got to go through the fun of being like, who, who done that? Yeah, it? and that's why that's I, the that's why I saved it. And I'm actually yeah. very excited to watch the original now. Yeah. I'll probably do it this weekend. I kind of want to watch the original yeah, as well. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's we'll a see. star-studded cast, too. Angela Lansbury's in it. I could see us... Uh, Sit on this movie for a few more days and kind of maybe enjoying it even more. I mean, yeah, it's like I I don't really have that many problems with it except for no. like just like some directing choices and some pacing issues, but they're not major ones. I've seen no. way worse pacing issues and directing choices in the past uh, very weeks. very recently. Listen, guys, 
Don't see Justice League. Um, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about spoilers, about who done did it. Um, so, so if you want to know who done did it, come back for that. Mm. If not, put a bookmark on this. Come back. Uh, but yeah, our recommendation is maybe don't rush out to see it unless you're super into what, the, what this movie's trying to do. Mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah, if you haven't seen it and you're kind of slightly interested from us talking about it for about 20 minutes, definitely don't listen to the rest because we're going to spoil the ending. And that's kind of like, that's the I honestly would yeah. not have had as much fun in it if I wasn't trying to, it, the movie is is paced in a way where you're supposed to be trying to figure out who it is. It's a whodunit. That's the whole yeah. point. But they do it in a very clever way where you're constantly jumping and second guessing yourself and trying to stay ahead of it. But the film is always ahead of you. It's fun. Yeah. So, yeah. It's good. All right. So, uh, yeah, we'll be right back. Hey, guys. Mike Burge here. Just wanted to pop in real quick to let you know that if you are a fan of Kenneth Branagh, who is also a big fan of Shakespeare, we are also big fans of Shakespeare here at Story Screen. Actually, this past February of 2017, we did a Shakespeare month uh, full of awesome screenings, and we had our very own Edward Gibbons Brown, uh, a talented little writer. He uh, wrote us an article all about uh, Shakespeare and the timelessness of his stories, whether they are in adaptations that are rebranded uh, for nowadays or different time periods than when they were originally set or even just original text. Uh, he talks all about how Shakespeare is absolutely amazing. Kenneth Branagh thinks that, we think that, and if you think that or you don't think that, either way, you should run over to storyscreenbeacon.com, check out the article. It's under the articles link, and it the name of the article is The Timelessness of Shakespeare. Uh, give that a little read. Leave him some love on that. He worked really hard on it, and it's um, definitely one of the best articles we've put up uh, since we started putting articles up over the past year or two. Uh, so definitely run over and check that out, storyscreenbeacon.com. And remember to follow us on Instagram, story underscore screen underscore beacon, so you can be up to date on all the podcasts and articles that we post. All right, let's get back to talking about murder on the Orient Express. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Hot Takes. Today, we're talking about murder on the Orient Express. And we're about to dive into the spoilies. Spoilers. So, spoilers. As people also call it. Spoilers. Uh, so if you don't want to know who done it, get the fuck out of here. Mm -hmm. And if you want to know who done it, guess what? Everyone. Everyone, everyone did it. Did it. Everyone it's did fun. it. Mm -hmm. That's fun. What I was saying was there's a line that they say when they first bump into Johnny Depp, mm -hmm. who is great in this. He really is good in the scenes that he's given. He's, he's very, the one that he's, dies. He's very early in the movie. He, he, yeah, he is the he's the victim. He also, you know, you learn to find out that he's not so great of a guy, much like in real life. Much and like in real life. Much like yeah. in real life. And uh, I've been doing this whole thing where I'm grappling with, uh, you know, you cannot defend some of these people that are doing some of these horrible things right. with this cascade of nonsense, predatory stuff in Hollywood. It's crazy. It exists every day. It will permeate every culture that we have. So yeah. Hollywood. Obviously, there are many powerful people in there. You, Hollywood is built off of power. Yes. Um, but uh, Johnny Depp is uh, a dude that had an amazing career. And for the past 10 years, or maybe a little bit more, has just been turning out schlock after schlock after schlock. Like, he's not even trying. Yeah. But it is refreshing to see him given something... I think that, you know, what he's done is inexcusable. But I think at the same time, as someone who consumes art... And he's going to pop up because he is such a figurehead. And I think that this entire situation 
may have humbled him in some way. I don't want this to seem like I am forgiving him or condoning him in any way. Yeah. That's neither here nor there for me with Johnny Depp. I, 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 I don't know. But I think that in this movie, he's definitely making a bunch of movies right now because he needs to make a lot of money back because he lost a lot of it, right. rightfully, mm-hmm. um, to his uh, ex-wife, Amber Heard. Um, the details of that you can look up. I don't want to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, we don't need to get into yeah. specifics here. Um, but I, I know he's making a lot of movies now because he wants to do that. He's in the new Fantastic Beasts. Uh, I don't think that he deserves to be in that. Uh, that is they a big franchise. him out, right? Uh, I don't even want to get into it yet. It's like, I don't think he deserves to be in that. It should be retconned where he's not in it. That's a franchise. It's meant for families. It's meant for kids. This is a one-off where he's in the movie only for the first 45 minutes. And he also plays a piece of shit. And he's a piece of shit. And it's like, you know what? If they wanted to say Johnny Depp couldn't be in movies anymore, I wouldn't be against that. Um, That's not for us to decide. Right. For me right now, what I want to say is that I went in going, fucking Johnny Depp's in this movie. And he very much surprised me with some very low-key... Uh, somber acting, which he was really well known for back in the 90s and early aughts before he started going crazy. And, uh, you know, it's it, it, it was refreshing. Yeah, I, but w- I would say so. the scene where we are given like, oh, he's dead. And they say that he was stabbed 12 times. Mm-hmm. And they say that all of the they, they don't know if it was right handed or left handed. And there's different pressure. Right. As if it was done sporadically. And I was like. Oh, I wonder if like m- like a bunch of the people on the train did it. Like I was like, I don't know how many there are on the train, so I feel like maybe there was one person that did it, and then there was like a couple other people that were helping them cover up for each other. Yeah, and I was like, that seems kind of weird because I feel like I would have heard about that by now. But I guess not. With murder on the Orient Express, but it was just never revealed to me that that's yeah. what was going on. I mean, I think when you get to the final shot, I mean, you see them kind of at the the last supper table of all of like everyone on the train, which I think is like one of my favorite shots of the movie is is uh, Kenneth Branagh like walking up to all of them and they're all sitting at that table mm-hmm. and they're all the accused and they all you know you find out in that moment that they're all guilty. Right. Um, I think it's really powerful. I think it, it becomes really cool. that thing where all the little things are coming up where it's like everybody is connected to this one family. Yeah. What are the odds of this? Mm-hmm. And I was like. Either they all killed him, yeah. Like they they all planned together to kill him, or all of them somehow found out individually that this guy was going to be on the train mm-hmm. because he is uh, he affected them by um, kidnapping Daisy Ridley, yeah, Daisy Armstrong. By kidnapping Daisy Armstrong, the character's right. name, uh, yeah. and um, killing her yeah. uh, when she was young and. It's the grandmother and the nanny and the father, uh, the, sister, the lost yeah. sister, and it's all these different chauffeur of the father who was a great man. And it, it turns out that mor- murder on the Orient Express is not about so much just a murder, but about this family drama mm-hmm. that kind of is the is the heart of the story, yes. of the mystery. And it's very much you know Hercule, his character as the main character. It is his journey in it where he realizes he starts out and he says, you look at somebody and they're right or they're wrong. Yeah. And that's where my gift comes from. And he sees now in all of these people that the reason that he was not able to deduce so quickly that it was all of them is because he was looking at them and seeing if they were right or if they were wrong because they were somewhere in between. Yes. What they did was wrong, but it was for the right reasons but it was also for the wrong reasons and what they did was right. 
Yes. And so it, it muddies the water and it's about him coming to terms with the ideas of morality the and law. justice, law, yeah. what it means to lie. Another funny reason to see this movie right after seeing Three Billboards, which is much like Three Billboards, you know, this is not a podcast about that movie, but it is very much about taking the law into your own hands or taking, you know, your own agency into your own hands mm-hmm. and, and making things happen. And uh, we have a cast of characters who, who do that in this movie where mm-hmm. they, they very much so are just like, he's free and they kind of, in a very cartoony way, corner him into this train and corner him into his, his Well, because he's the, uh, you know, he's the um, uh, the wrench in the gears of this operation. He wasn't yeah. supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, his buddy, who's like the funniest part of this movie. The guy. Uh, the guy who runs, the, who owns the train. Oh my he god! Meets he's, up and he's just like—he really is. He had some outright laughing moments so where really, I like laughed out loud. It's there's like, some really good, really funny good. lines in this movie, but he steals the show every time he like opens his mouth. Yeah, when um, uh, who also Penelope Cruz is great in this. Mm-hmm. I want to see her in more stuff. Does right she now. play the kind of like she's the nanny, the she's religious the, okay, nanny? That's gotcha. Penelope Cruz. Uh, she's fantastic, super reserved, super quiet, very, um electrifying in a subtle way. I almost want to say energetic because there's this energy coming off of her yeah. in all of her short scenes. Um, and the same can be said too for um, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, who is really honing in these different things. Um, uh, I, I, But Penelope Cruz is great and she's got that line where she says, uh, like, I'm not going to drink because like vices... Will uh, the devils and the vices? The devils and the like vices, that. and it will consume like, us all. And yeah. the guy says he's like, "Well, we will not be talking again. Like, yeah, we, should, it, it, we shouldn't talk anymore." Because he's, uh, you know, he owns this character owns the Orient Express, <clears throat> and he's like, uh, it's very early in the movie when everyone's on, finally, kind of like on the on the train, and he's like giving everyone champagne, and like he, you know, hits her next, and it's just like she says her line. He's just like, "We'll not be speaking anymore," mm-hmm. and then just like moves on. He's he is great. a he's a crux because he's a needed companion to Hercule stuff once the murder occurs and the investigation begins because mm-hmm. he's he's shown to be uh, completely devoid of any suspicion from Hercule. Hercule has known this man for a long time, yeah. and the guy is completely abrupt and just completely honest whether it is obnoxious or yeah. right to do or anything. there is no there it's just there is no right or wrong with him it's like i am what i am and i am proud he's, of it he's from the minute you meet him he's kind of a dick mm-hmm. and he's very proud of it yep. so and hercule and him have a very close bond where obviously they've known each other for a long time and the reason that they probably have known each other for a long time is because hercule isn't bored by him because he isn't constantly trying to lie because he can see yeah. when people are lying and this is a man that never lies he's completely upfront about like uh fucking a prostitute in a kitchen I'm fucking a prostitute my dad gives me all this money he's like, he's not hiding anything no. and that's why when the murder first happens they say well it's isolated to this cart so it's anybody that's in that mm-hmm. and um and uh, he says, you're the only one that can come with me for these interviews because you're the only one that is yeah. devoid of suspicion. I mean, he's a fun, like, Watson to Sherlock to have in this movie. Right. And it's I was very really happy. Guy. I was really happy that it didn't end up being him because I was like, fuck, it would be him. I'm the only one guy that's devoid of suspicion. And right. And then, like, also, like, you know, in my mind, especially when you're getting to later in the movie, you're just like, who the fuck really did this thing? And uh, right. it could, you know, you get to the point where you're like, is it, like, 
is it Kenneth Branagh like well, having it, some weird? It gets mind to the labs? point where like, it's like, and this is how when you're deducing uh, through foreshadowing and clues, especially in a murder mystery, they're giving you all these all these clues, and what they're doing is they're throwing red herrings at you left and right, so you don't know what to believe. And it's the devil is always in the details, especially with mystery movies. Uh, I learned this from watching countless noir movies when I was studying noir. Right. The devil is in the details. You need to pay attention to these very little things. Every single thing matters. So when something sounds as if it's thrown out there for no reason, yeah. that's probably one of the biggest actual clues that you're getting that's not a red herring. And that was the different pressures on the stabbings. And I'm like, there are men and women of different size on this train. And when you start finding out that they're all connected to the Armstrong family and this one supposed death, this yeah. one death that definitely this guy was connected to, yeah. you're like, okay, what are the odds that all of these people are on this train together? And it's either uh, by coincidence that they individually were going after this guy or it is by master plan, which is what it ends up being, ends up being yeah. that they're all coming together to give this man his comeuppance. Yeah. I mean, there's a point in the movie where they're really trying to sell the idea that Daisy Ridley and, um, do you know the name of that other actor, the doctor? Mm -mm. I'm going to look it up right now because he's great. um, There's one name in the, and I'll I'll seem very ignorant here. There's one name in the, uh, Derek Jacoby. It's not. It's, uh, and I think that's the dude that I thought you were talking about, about Luke Evans, the guy with the mustache, the chauffeur, the guy that's a car salesman. I think that's him. I don't know. Well, I didn't get confused. I just forgot. I got, with that comment, I got confused as to the character's names in Beauty and the Beast. Right. I thought LaFoe was... Um... No, LaFoe is that. I got confused. Oh. That. I thought you were talking about Gaston. I was... Yes. I'm drinking okay, wine over here. What, what's, the, uh, what's the guy's name that's... Uh, uh, his name the is, doctor. is Leslie Autumn Jr. Yes. O- or Odom. It's O-D-O-M. Um, he's great in that movie. He's fantastic. He's really he really I mean, is good. Listen, all the performances Everybody's in the movie great. is really good. Willem Dafoe is... Uh, I love him in it. When he phones it in, it's still great. And I feel like he, I think he's phoning it in because it's just kind of like, there's not too much with it. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. You can say phoning it in, in a disrespectful way, but you can also say like, this is Willem Dafoe. He fucking acts for breakfast and he just shows up and he's just like, I guess so. He's got like, dude, the guy's got like 10 lines in this movie. And he also like goes through like a major, like super character change from like Austrian racist to like, mm, Kind of like Boston like Boston Pinkerton ex police yeah. to like uh, uh, heartbroken lover, like yeah. heartbroken uh, uh, betrayed yeah. dude. And he, I really like, he's got that line where he says, uh, Was it the one and that, that's like, why I'm actually kin, I am now kin with Daisy Ridley mm-hmm. because of this line. Or I guess maybe I became with Agatha Christie, but it's just the way Daisy Ridley did it. When he says uh, he doesn't want to sit at a table with a with a black man, right? Because he's like, I don't like to mix race uh, for both benefits. And he says, yeah. if you were to mix your red wine with your white wine, it would ruin both. And in my head, I was just like, Yeah, man, I mean, like rosé is pretty good. Yeah, we all can get and down then with she rose. pours the red wine into the white wine and drinks it, and she's like, I love a good rosé. And I was like, My girl. Yes, and my, then the eight, that's my girl. But it's great because then you find out that like you know her love interest is the doctor, of course, which yeah. has already been kind of Seated. hinted at at yeah. the very beginning it's, it's that they've there. got something going on, right? But uh, yeah, it's all great. It's all just good stuff. I like that's the thing about this movie. It's like it's just it's a lot of fun. It's just like it's a, a fun, fun movie. movie. It's a fun watch. Yeah, it's um, a fun. Just like you know, almost. It, I agree that's a little long. 
Uh, I wouldn't call it anything like too like masturbatory yeah, but I or also anything though. Like it's it, exactly it's not it's it's you feel the length and the pacing choices, yes. but you really can't cut anything out of this because, I mean, I guess if you wanted to, you could cut out some red herrings, but it already seems like they did enough of that where they need to have everything in place for that ending because the ending is so out of control. It's crazy. Where you're like, how do they all have this connection? And it all has to be linked back to things that you've seen earlier. Yeah. And so they really couldn't cut anything. I just think that you feel... A a movie can be three hours long. Mm -hmm. Fellowship of the Ring is a long fucking movie. Yes. But you do not feel it. Because the pacing is tight. You're you're be that's why the Two Towers and Return of the King will always um fault to uh the Fellowship of the Ring because the Fellowship of the Ring has the same runtime, if not a little bit shorter. Yeah. And you're getting introduced to these characters and introduced to the world and the rules. So there's world building and it's able to flow more naturally. Whereas the two towers, you know, like that's I swear to God, 20% of people that went to go see that movie in theaters fell asleep. Yeah. I love The Two Towers. The Two Towers is great. But uh, as the bridge chapter, that usually, that can happen sometimes. Yeah. I think an even more recent or even better example could be uh, like Blade Runner 2049, where that is like a legit three-hour movie. And when you get to the end of it, you're just like, give me yeah, I want give more. Me, give me more. I remember really feeling like we what? had, we said it on the podcast yeah. too, when, that, when the end of that movie came up, I was like, this has another like 20 minutes to it. Yeah. And it just ended. And you heard me go like, oh, no. Like, but, and which is, which is like, yeah. you know, that's the mark of like, the mark I think of a good creator is to leave you wanting more and not leave you kind of like tapping your watch a little bit. Mm-hmm. And this movie, uh, I, I had to take a, I had to take a little pee-pee break, I guess in the middle, maybe towards the end. And uh, I was looking See, up that, the... That's crazy to me. What? Pee-pee breaks. Pee-pee breaks? Pee-pee breaks during the theater theory. goings and uh, falling asleep while watching something are completely naturalistic human human responses to just being tired or being uninterested or just anything like that. And I cannot do I literally I cannot fall asleep while watching something. And I cannot get up and go to the bathroom if I'm watching a movie I've never seen before. Listen, I'll say this. Robbie 2015, Robbie 2016 would have agreed with you. Doing story screen and going to all these movies on days where I work at the coffee shop and had to wake up at 4 a.m. And That's then right. Doing, I, I don't know. know if most viewers know that you are one of the the best baristas in town in Beacon, New York. I don't know about that. I'm um, definitely the grumpiest, but... Well, that's just because you're jaded. That's the sign of a good barista. I guess that's true. You ever true. see a peppy, happy barista? That's because they've only been doing it for about and six months. And your drink's going to be bad. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty good. But I digress. But the thing is, like, you know, when you're doing it as a job, there are times where it's just like, I just need to fucking go to the bathroom. Or, like, I remember when we were seeing Kong, which is a movie I like a decent amount. I'm surprised at how I much I like Kong still. Sleepy. I, uh, well, because I opened that morning. I remember how I was just like, so I was like, I just, I just no, it's like, and I'm not knocking, like, if you, if you nod off while watching a TV show or watching something in a theater or at your own home, I'm not knocking it. It's a perfectly human yeah. thing. It's just like my I can't do it even if I I used to do yeah. that. I used to fall asleep to movies all the time. Right. Like on purpose. I'd be like, oh, let me put this movie on and fall asleep. But now that I it's it's a it's a combination of and I don't want this to sound like egotistical or bat or back uh, padding in any way, self back padding. I but it's from uh studying film so much, there's so much for me to look at. 
Yeah. And I think it's also a little bit of, um, I've got this weird completist thing where it's like, you I have to do. see something through and I need to do it. It's sometimes it's frustrating talking to you about, about video games. Cause you're like, Oh, I have to just like a hundred percent. Yeah. I have to beat this game till the disc has mm-hmm. turned to dust yes. in my, in my console. And it's yes. just like, I don't understand, <laughs> but that's, you know, that's the difference. That's why I gave up video games. Cause you just got like, I haven't played video games over two years. You played Alien I'm You fell off Alien Isolation. I, I fell off Alien Isolation Weird. twice because I can't do it. Because it's scary. Because I have to go around. No, not because it's scary. The first time I, I fell off because I was like, this is fucking stressful. Right. And the second time I went into it and I fell off because I, I'm going around and I have to get everything. And that is a game where you need to be very slow and take your time. And sometimes yeah. you have to wait in a box for 10 straight minutes doing nothing until you can go and go get something. And I have to do it 100% or not at all. And it's a problem that I have. Yes. You humans will never understand until my people come the and show is, you the way. There's some people who have to get all the feathers in, in Assassin's Creed 2. But and there's some people who are sane and just play AC3. I am your bitch. You are my bitch. I am, <laughs> I, I am that girl. You are that person. You're I that, girl, that girl, girl at the party who has to get all the feathers. All of Rome. All of Rome. America. Give me a Egypt. That one looks good. I'm pretty excited about that. I, That's, uh, I just got my PS4. Yes. And I'm going to thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I upgraded finally for my Xbox 360, yes. mainly for watching movies. And it was our one and only talking simulator podcast that I think swayed you to the Sony console. You had two talking simulator podcasts. Yes. Kind of one big one. One mm-hmm. big four hour episode. When are you um when are you uh Gonna, you guys are planning something pretty big with that. Uh, we have. I'm not gonna spoil the game yet because we still want to do it. I will just say that Jack and I have been playing a game that has taken us a lot longer than we thought it would. Jack is our, for those that don't know, Jack is our very, 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 very good looking, uh, so co head of podcasting. Yeah, one might say he has a surfer bod. Who said that? Someone might say. So no one's ever said that to you. I said someone might say. It. So you'd say that. I've thought it. Mm. Surfer bod. Surfer bod. Yeah. I have yet, unfortunately, to see Jack bod? with that with his shirt off. Oh my god, dude, ripped. Seriously, like, head to toe. Have you ever? You wow. know, uh, Aquaman. You would say has a surfer bod. Yes, totally. Jack is almost identical. No. Less tribal That's tattoos. That's what's going on. Less there? tribal tattoos. More, more American traditional. But we're talking. Jack Collins. I'm talking a four pack, six pack? I'm saying like maybe an eight pack. No. He's a lanky guy, so he has enough room for some packs, you know? Does he wear uh, like those long necklaces that you can't see underneath the shirt? Yeah, I didn't, I never knew. Does he wear those? Yeah. I thought he did. Can Listen, dude. It's like a whole... We're talking fucking, way too much about him, but like, it's okay, a lot, this it's is like, good. It's almost a whole shark jowl. Like some people have the one shark tooth at the end of that necklace. He's got multiple teeth? Dude, it's like the whole thing. It's like the whole shark is on the end of that. Oh, is that like significant to him or like are those, is this what he's into? Is he, does, has he killed, does he a shark hunter? Well, I, I just, I've never asked. That's crazy. It's weird that I've never asked. It's weird that he hasn't, but. I think he's seeing, uh, what, what's he seeing right now? Oh, he's going to. He went um, to the uh, Angela Olsen show yeah. down in the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, yeah. great taste in music too. He has great taste. The whole package. He's the whole thing. And like, listen, there's a really lucky lady out there who lives across the pond. Oh, his yeah. girlfriend, Eleanor? Mm-hmm. She does not even know how lucky she is. Oh, she actually, no I idea. think she might be very well aware. She might know. Yeah. She might know. 
Yeah. She doesn't want to admit it, though. She, oh, Jack's, he, Jack looks good, and he's talented, and he's smart. He's intellectual. He's an intellectual. He's got a great yeah. job. But the worst part about it is he knows all of that. Mm-hmm. So you got to be very careful with him. You got to you gotta hold him on a leash. Oh, yeah. Sometimes you got to, like, close. even as a friend. Especially as a friend. Especially as a friend. You need to, sometimes you need to, you need to, you need to knock him a little bit. Oh, yeah. And like Take lie. I, sometimes I outright lie to him. You just tell him and lies. tell him that I don't like him. Yeah, well, it's to easier. try and it's easier that way, right? Yeah. Otherwise, he's just gonna you know he's gonna mm-hmm. mow us down. With yeah, confidence. he's gonna walk he's gonna all over me. I can't have that. No, but I love him. Yeah, I also think that Rogue One doesn't stand up as well. Right. No, don't worry about it. I'll edit. I'll edit all this out. That's oh, good. Fine. We don't yeah. want him to know Mm-mm. how much. I don't think he's gonna listen. I don't know if he'll listen to this episode. He did not want to see this movie kind of at all. Well, dude, I didn't want to see this movie at all. You the trailers like, for this with Imagine Dragons. You pick me up, you back me up, believe it. The most tonally inappropriate music for a trailer. Especially after seeing the movie. Oh, we're making an Agatha so. Christie uh, mystery novel into a um, holiday Kenneth Branagh film. Uh, who do we get to do the music uh, for the trailer? Uh, don't you think the trailer should maybe just be like kind of ominous? Uh, maybe just like kind of some symphony, some strings. No. Let's get the sale guys. The sale guys? Is that what they're called? Imagine Dragons? Didn't they do sale? Is that a song too? Is that them? I tried to follow No, did they do sale? They did. I know they did, um, radioactive, radioactive, whoa, oh, Is that them too? oh, oh. Do they all have surfer bods too? Is that what they look like? The Imagine Dragons? I, I, I'm it literally that. looks like six jacks. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. And also, Rogue One has not aged well. <laughs> Rogue One has not aged well. It's just like you start the movie and it's like, okay, you guys went to like three planets in like ten minutes. Like, what are we doing right now? Yeah. I don't know. Fine, fine, fine movie. That's a movie, movie film. Different things. Movie it's and a film. Fine movie. It's fine a fine movie. movie. Fine movie. Fine movie. I think Force Awakens is a good film. Eh. Good movie. So? Yeah. yeah honestly. I, I, don't, I think out of all of the Star Wars, I'd only call the first two films. Everything else, just by nature, is yeah. uh, a movie because it needs to cater to everything. I think arguably... Like, Revenge yeah. of the Sith tried to be a film, and that was its uh, it breaking... Though? It tried... Yeah, oh definitely. It like, like has like a long digital CGI rendered long shot at the beginning where everybody's like, can you believe that one take they did? And it's like, yeah, it's cartoons. Like, It's not hard to do a one shot when you have cartoons. They go for it, but... They don't get there. They, there's a there, there's a there's an emotionality and an ethos. There's an ethos to what they're trying to do in Revenge of the Sith, and that's what makes it so sad. See, the thing I see in Revenge of this in the in Revenge of the Wine is that George Lucas getting shit on for two movies, and then Revenge of the Sith is him like doing a speed run because Revenge of the Sith, I think, it was it's the him shortest, pulling the bandaid off. Yeah, it's it's like one of the shortest movies. It's him kind of like sprinting to the finish line. And, like, there's, I think, the least amount of, like, talking and walking down hallways. Well, you got action. That uh, Revenge of the Sith is to the two previous Star Wars prequels as Justice League is to uh, BVS, DOJ, and Man of Steel, Man of Steel, which is the studio. Was, they were trying to do something. The artists in the studio were trying to do something. And in the third one, they were like, 
well, this ain't fucking working. But Wonder Woman is also in there too. So they they took advice from things that were said about Man of Steel, BVS, DOJ, and Wonder Woman, WW, and uh, like added everything in there, brightened everything up. Um, just it, they tried. I think with the they tried, and it's just not going to be good enough ever. That's the I think this that's the saddest thing about the Justice League. That's the saddest thing about the the DC franchise right now, where you get a Wonder Woman in there, and again, I have not seen Wonder Woman, and I've only heard great things, and I need to go out and see it, and I will. It's on my list. That's behind Bridge right now, and that's the saddest thing I think. Where with your Star Wars prequels. We live in a different age of Star Wars right now. But with the Star Wars prequels, it was just like, just fucking end it. Just fucking kibosh the whole thing. There's no saving grace. But with this, it's like, well, there's Wonder Woman. We don't want a reboot because we're just like, I want Gal Gadot. And I think, honestly, if they did do a reboot, I think they could make Gal Gadot They won't do a reboot of that. Yeah. After the... After Justice League failing the way that it did, there will be a... Because now we're a few weeks out. It did not do well in the box office. Right. It is doing very poorly critically. Yeah. They, they, I think they, we're the they're nicest. Gonna, they're going to cancel some stuff, but we're still yeah. getting that Aquaman movie. They already spent enough money on that. Uh, we're still getting a Wonder Woman 2, we're and we're Matt definitely going to get a Matt, a Matt Reeves Batman. Whether or not it will have Ben Affleck in it or not, we will see. But, um, or Deathstroke or whatever. Uh, Murder on the Orient Express is a movie. Is a movie. The reason we are going on so many tangents away from this movie is because it is just fine. It's just fine. It's just fine. It's a good movie. We had some really good laughs. We had some of the loud, loudest laughs in the mm-hmm. audience, I think. And none for the wrong reasons. No, I think they were good. No, yeah. It wasn't us poking fun. It, it, there was some genuinely good lines of dialogue in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a good opening with the eggs. The egg bit. The egg bit is good. I like the we, egg we bit get the, the. It shows us all of his... Uh, essentially superpowers it shows us how he does what he does and like the egg seems like a joke at first and then we realize like oh no the eggs were how he solved the crime like he got the cop out of there Mm -hmm. to be able to like look through his shit yeah and go oh you did it and he he knew exactly that he was going to run that way and that he was going to get stopped if he put a guard over there which Mm -hmm. he put a guard over there and then he put the cane right where it needed to be my issue... Incidental, but... Yeah. My issue with the opening of the movie, because I, I mentioned this before in the spoiler-free part, where I was not super on board with the movie till they all get on the train, which is, I really think, where the the real, pun intended, momentum starts, is uh, the opening of the movie, I think, is... I do like the egg bit. I do like learning about, like, the rudimentary, like, the scales of justice is what influences this character, and is a character who seeks balance, so much so that he will put both his feet in shit... Just so they are even. Mm-hmm. You remember that part? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but I almost get into another character. It's a good introduction yeah, yeah, character. Yeah, yeah. I think he's, he's a dickhead. <laughs> he's a he's, conceited. You think he's bag. a douchebag? Absolutely no. But he understands that, and that's and his his dickishness is in his uh, bluntness. It's in a, him being like, I'm not interested in talking to you. That's like the the, the cop that's going to take him to the so boat. He's just... like nothing but nice to him and congratulatory. And he goes like, no, nah, I'll go to the boat myself. We're never going to see you. I don't want to talk to but you. But then when you get on the train with all these aristocrats and then you're having like uh, Johnny Depp's character talk to him. To me, I read that character as someone who he just wants rest. Yep. He almost doesn't take the case because he's just like, I just, I need this rest. Him laughing 
uh, Dickens. Dickens' Tale of Two Cities is so funny. Like, that's amazing that he's finding such humor in that. Yes. It's yeah. very that's, good. It's really good. It's very sweet. Um, yeah. I, I'm in love with uh, Kenneth Branagh's performance as Hercule Perot. I really, it's really yeah. good. It's really uh, good. And I'm excited. Like, uh, Death of the Nile is announced. They are making another one. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, interesting. It's another Agatha Christie. It's essentially Murder on the Orient Express on a boat. Okay. I'll watch that. From what I understand. Are you going to do one on the plane? I think, you know what I'm going to do this time? I'm going to I'm gonna watch Murder on the Orient Express, mm-hmm. the, the older one. Yes. And then I'm going to watch The Death on the Nile. Uh, want to do Overtrinkers? Sure. You want to get me on it? I'll do it. Cool. That sounds good. It's a date. Cool. Uh, we still should do our... Um, uh, what was the other one we were going to do, but we didn't do it? Which one? Uh, Golden Circle is the Kingsman. Oh, Kingsman. Yeah. That. That, uh, the Golden Circle just uh, popped up on uh, streaming, so me and D are going to check it out. You haven't seen Golden Circle yet, right? No, I haven't. Me, me, neither of us have, but we read the comic. And I have to I, read the comic. I just rent. I, I got the comic again. I'll, 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 Did you like I'll, the comic? I'll, I'll, yes. You like it? Very it, Different in ways. I'm deep in Batman yeah, right now. That'll be fun. I'm That'll deep be fun. In Batman comics. A conversation for another. Podcast. A conversation for, for a uh, different podcast. For a different show. <laughs> we already talked about DC. <laughs> we talked like... about everything. Um, yeah, I I read Kenneth Rowling's character as someone who needs rest. Maybe come across as dickish, but not complete dickhead. My problems with the opening of the movie is just that he's almost too capable. And then when we see him having a struggle, which is very justified mm-hmm. on the train, it doesn't match tonally. Because the reason that he's struggling on the train is because he's dealing with the gray, the between black and white. He's he's he cannot solve this mystery, but they give him so much cartoony superhero esque powers in the opening that I think it's very jarring to see him struggle with the case. Well, it's his. Uh, I think that that's meant to be on purpose. Is that he believes that his way of going about deducing a case yeah. is the correct one because it has been proven time and time again to I be just that. And then he enters this moral gray area where he doesn't understand. Like, wait, no, everybody here, and that's why when he realizes, he's it, he's like, you have to that. fucking kill me. Yeah. Um. No, I, those it, beats are really powerful, and the idea of him being like, of him almost rejecting his own answer, of him being like, I found the gray, I found the imbalance, and the only way I can live with it is if you shoot me. Well, it's not even if you shoot me. He's like, I can't lie. If when you, we yeah. when we stop at the next train station, there is a body on this train. It has been reported. They are going to look at it. We can't change anything. He was stabbed 12 times. He's I'm dead. I'm going to tell them that you all did it. And I cannot lie to them. And it is in that test that he gives Michelle Pfeiffer, who is revealed to be the grandmother of uh, Daisy Armstrong, yes. little girl that was killed, um, who is the mastermind behind the whole thing. She's the one who kind of orchestrates the She whole orchestrated thing. the whole thing. And uh, some people try to jump... Or no, she didn't order the whole thing because it was. Um, uh, she pulls off her blonde wig and has brown hair. That's Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer. She says she orchestrated the whole thing. Yes, that's the grandmother. She's the grandma. She's the grandma. Judy Dench is the um, godmother. Yes. You're yes, right. yes. 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 Right. It's very confusing no, at the end. They throw it all she, at you. No, she says it. She says it on the train. She's like, they I was throw the godmother. They of throw that child. information at you very quickly, and I had to like double check my. I was like, wait. What the fuck? Because I was very confused about who as to who Michelle Pfeiffer was for a minute 
when they said like Linda, like the actress, and I was like, yeah. wait, what did they say that she was again? She was not the mom. She was the aunt. Oh no, the grandma. She was the mom of the mom. Okay. Um, but she she orchestrated the whole thing, and everybody tries to kind of jump in front of the bullet. Yeah. Uh, and protect her. That's why she's the one that's not really given a proper interview, to my recollection. Um. Yeah. Well, she's she's almost like uh, because everybody's kind of like, and that's the ending yeah. with Daisy Ridley and um uh, the doctor. The doctor. They're they they present themselves as the ones that did it because they're trying to protect her, but they're also trying to give Hercule the benefit of. The benefit of the doubt where, like, you can be on our side about this is, which is why he says, ask yourself why you're not dead right now. I'm a sharpshooter that fought in the war and I just shot at you and I shot your shoulder. Ask yourself why, why are you, why are you not dead right now? Right. Exactly. And it's like trying to get him to do that and from my understanding of it. And it's. I think those beats are super fun too. No, no, no. The the beats throughout the whole movie are very super fun and I'm actually really excited to revisit it again. This is like, this would be an easy movie to rewatch. Oh, hell yeah. Toss on, pick up on all the little things that you Mm -hmm. missed before and the performances and everything. Like it's, it's, I feel like we're forgetting about somebody. We are forgetting about somebody. Oh, what is her name? I drank too much wine. The blonde girl? Helene? No. Um, uh, it is... I think I have the idea of one of my phones. Uh, she is... Uh, fuck it. I don't need to remember her name. Um, she is the assistant that is eventually revealed to be the cook from the Armstrong uh, residence. She is the assistant to uh, Dame Judy Dench's character. She is in... Um, oh, my goodness. Too much wine. <laughs> she's an amazing actress yeah she played a pregnant character on the night manager on amazon starring teen heartthrob tom hiddleston and hugh laurie i can't remember her name because i don't want to say her. i feel like it's sarah something um but i uh, i love her mainly because she is on um uh she's a character on Broadchurch. Which is a you literally have a problem. No, no, she's a character in Broadchurch. Psychopath. She's fantastic as um, David. David David Tennant's um, obviously not if I can't fucking remember her name. I don't know. I've Um, seen the role that happened. She's fucking she's fucking fantastic. I love her uh, from 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 the from the moon beyond the moon and back. I love her as an actress, and it sucks that I can't remember her name right now. But I'm not gonna look it up because that's cheating. Um, Okay. But she's amazing in it. She very nothing really to do. And as soon as she showed up, you saw me. I went like, yes. yes. Like I put my I hands do remember up. That yeah. Moment. As soon as yeah. she showed up, and you're like, yeah. And I was like, I bet you she's the killer, just because I know she's such a great actress <laughs> and she's playing this nothing because she's gonna have the big third act. Just like, do you know why I did it? Do you know why? Governor, I did it? I'm Michael Caine. That's why. Yeah. She pulls up from her. It's Michael Caine. Pulls up her mask. Michael Caine has a cameo in this movie. The three acts to a murder. The prestige, the prestige, and the prestige. Uh, I mean, I'm done talking about this movie. Yeah, I mean, I think we just want to talk about other stuff. And we can do that at the bar. Uh, Ooh. You want to go grab a drink after this? I do. I mean, we drink a bottle of wine, so it seems appropriate. Let's, uh, Let's live a little. Let's get a little crazy. Any day could be our last. Any day could be our last. Could be... Are Johnny Depp getting on that train? I I didn't murder any little girls. Did you? 
Little girls? No. Well, he married a little girl. Daisy Armstrong was a little girl, right? Did I? No. I'm asking you if Not you at all. Well, don't compare yourself to Johnny Depp, I've man. never... Besides just now. Someday, on one day, we're all going to be Johnny Depp. Oh, fuck it. Getting on that train and murder on the Orient Express. <laughs> I don't want to be Johnny Depp getting off that train. With and whether, whether it is the good Lord or uh, 12 people that really hate you, someone's going to get you. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Hot Takes about murder on the Orient Express. Jesus I just had does to... not forgive. I only mentioned the title to remind you that we were talking about... Oh, no, wait, that's actually like his whole thing. What? Jesus Forgives. Johnny Depp? G- Johnny Depp's character? Thank you so much for listening, listening to this. to another episode of Hot Listen, this is a loosey-goosey episode, and we love you, our audience. If you like these loosey-goosey episodes, let us know. If you like a more structured podcast about... You know, us being dry and, and good. making no, good points. Good. Good. Yeah. Let us know. But seriously. Uh, They're not all like this. Sometimes we're sometimes very... Sometimes we're very... Listen, when you catch us I on... Think we did okay. It was fun. If if you're listening to this so, and, you've, and, and you've listened to previous episodes or this is just your first one, please, I, I would take it... Uh, it would mean... It would be a great Christmas gift if you're listening to this in 2017 Christmas time. Yes. Uh, leave us a comment and let us know if you thought that this was a fun Lucy Goosey or not a fun Lucy Goosey. Yes. Just just go down real quick and just like just on this one, I'd love to get a bunch of comments on this one about <laughs> whether or not you think it's fun. Me and Robbie spending half of the episode talking about the movie that we're reviewing <laughs> and the other half talking about Jack's abs, Star Wars, the DC universe, and I'm fairly certain. Um, that we touched on uh, my uh, egocentric mental instability for a little bit there. Uh, it did happen. Yes. yes. You remember it correctly. Thank you. Uh, yes. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, please go on storyscreenbeacon.com to find articles, more podcasts, um, and other things of the like, merchandise. Uh, please support us there. Again, if you have comments... Uh, questions or anything you can find us on various social medias you can also comment on the website on articles and the podcast there actually is a comment section and just get a hold of us if you're a fan of ours and you want something to change let us know if you're a fan of ours and you want something to stay exactly the same and to not change uh, tell us that too so again thank you so much Olivia Coleman. you're a piece of shit and if you love Olivia Coleman, Olivia Coleman. <laughs> Uh that's her you. name so much for listening. Uh, we're in the heat of Oscar season, and we're trying to go through our 2017 backlog. I don't think this movie will be nominated for anything, but Suicide Squad did win an Oscar um, last year, so who fucking knows? Who fucking knows? This Nothing is the matters. movie that would get like, yeah, a like Suicide costume, Squad. Like this is where that would get like thing. costumes look great. The costumes are great. That's kind of the whole point of the movie. Is the costumes? They're are just great. like, oh look, it's 1934. Listen, the whole part where they're in Jerusalem visually is really cool. It is kind of cool. Lo- it's very Casablanca-y mm-hmm. when they go into the ball. That's one of those like, things that I was saying. I like it's it. like I like it when the little kid shows up. All of a sudden, it's like somber stuff, somber, somber tone, and then the kid shows up and he's running with something, and we're just following him from a distance and like hitting him. That's where you get low down, right by his feet, and yeah. track shot him for a solid forty-five the dolly, seconds. The going dolly around. shot. The dolly shots in the train, but the dolly That's shot with the- that kid where they're going around the staircase yeah. when he walks up is awesome. It's all great right. stuff. Where was that at the beginning? I well, wanted it at the beginning. Yeah. Anyway, thank you again for listening to this episode and catch us on anywhere you can find podcasts, storiescreenbeacon.com and the like. And you can find more of our content there. Thank you so much for listening. Peace. Bye. Bye.
Mm-mm-mm. You have anything funny you'd like to say before we begin? Anything funny, anything good, anything, any kind of joke? Mm. <clears throat> That's all? All right. <laughs>